This podcast is sponsored by Great White Hot Sauce. It's a small batch, handmade hot sauce, made specially for you. So if you like hot sauce, you'll love Great White Hot Sauce. It's the hot sauce that bites back. Find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. No smooth intro this week. I got two words for you. Van freaking Halen. So reach down between your legs and ease the seat back. Because we're going for a ride. And it's going to be a long one. We got a lot to cover. And we ain't talking about love. studio presents milk crates and turntables a music discussion podcast hosted by scott mclean with his co-host jack calabrese now let's talk music enjoy the show all right welcome to the podcast tonight is a big show like i said two words van freaking halen we're gonna get right into it so without further ado, let me bring on my co-host, the Atomic Punk himself, Jack Calabrese. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, hey, buddy. We got Jack a lot Calabrese to cover. Yeah. What's that? You can hear me okay? I can hear you. Yeah. Right. We're working on a little technical difficulty here during this episode, but that's okay. We'll get through it. Have you seen Junior's grades? <laughs> Scott, the IT guy, is not... Uh, He's definitely, you know, he's in and out of that hot sauce money. He <laughs> makes it and then he doesn't. So, all right, buddy. You ready to do a good show? I'm ready to do a good show. All right. Van Halen. I mean, where to begin? So they're a 70s band, technically. It's hard to believe that, right? Well, formed in 1974. Yeah. A mere, they, you know, a, mere, a mere four years after Jimi Hendrix passed. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. it doesn't even, it's like, they've been around that long. Or they've they were. They were around that long. Yep. That long. So, and then if you go back and you look at their, their, their touring, uh, you know, those websites that have toured, you know, tours and set lists, it's like 74, 75, 76. Like, they were crazy then. They were touring they were- like nuts. They were, they were a working class band. They certainly were. They certainly were. Do you know who the last member of Van Halen was to join? The last member. Um, you mean of like, yeah, the original lineup. Okay. The original lineup. Uh, I would say it was Michael Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind of a, a, it's not a no brainer question, but. No, no. For us, you know, it it is. But uh, he met Alex Van Halen at what in San in, in college in San Diego. They were going mm-hmm. to like like some uh, conservatory of music type yeah. thing, right? Yep. And uh, he they hit it off, and he introduces him to Eddie. But what he was basically 
used for at the beginning is they they used as amps. They were like, hey, can we borrow your amps? Can we borrow this? And eventually asked them to join the band. Great move. Absolutely great move. I mean, first of all, I mean, underrated bass player, you know, kind of rudimentary, you know, in terms of, you know, what he did. He was no, you know, Getty Lee, John Whistle, Chris Squire, you know, from Yes. But those backing vocals... Well, you know, I, I might. I, that's see, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about, because everybody can talk about Eddie Van Halen, and we'll get to Eddie Van Halen, you know, and, and David Lee Roth. But the two that never get talked about, as it is usually with any band, right, is the drummer and the bass player. Right? Sure. But Michael Anthony, I think, was a very underrated bass player. That he was a driving, driving yeah. bass. Yep. In those songs, it's almost like why Tim K from Rage Against the Machine. I mean, Rage Against the Machine wouldn't have that sound without his bass. Yeah, it's it's uh you know it's one of those things where Michael Anthony his his bass playing drove, you know, it had a funk, it had it had a rhythm, but it it didn't have that. He wasn't a fancy, flashy player, right? Right. So he he wasn't he wasn't Getty Lee going up and down the fretboard. He kept the bottom edge. He was he was the Dusty Hill of Van Halen. Good comparison. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair yep. enough. Yep. Yeah. I'll take and, that. And, and, and by the way, and I don't I I don't know if you're if I'm jumping ahead or not. He's the one guy in Van Halen that got absolutely fucking screwed. Oh. So. I mean, we, we can cover there, that later. Go on. We can cover that later if you want to. No, you know, it doesn't matter. We're going to cover whatever we cover. But, you know, again, we could talk about Eddie Van Halen for two hours. Sure. He's a, he's a master. You know, he, he was a genius. But Michael Anthony, um, did, so speculation is that he got kind of kicked out of the band because he he owns a hot sauce company. And he does like hot mustards and stuff like that. And Eddie thought he was spending too much time doing that. But there's an interesting side story to that also. Yeah. So he thought he was committing too much time to his business and not the band. So supposedly that's why he gets kicked out. But he was also friends with Sammy Hagar. So mm -hmm. Sammy Hagar and Eddie Van Halen had a falling out and a big part of that falling out was Eddie Van Halen didn't like the fact that Sammy Hagar was spending so much time in Cabo Wabo mm -hmm. and putting his time into that. So it sounds to me word on the street was Eddie Van Halen was kind of an asshole anyways. He was, he was, he was a, a control freak. He was a, he was a complex guy, you know? So he was, he was a genius in in some ways, sure. And, and, and like most geniuses, you can attest to, there's part genius and there's part train wreck. Yeah, yeah. I think he 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 was a total control guy. Yeah, absolutely he, total control guy. He, I think he, you know, Eddie Van Halen was was completely dedicated to the band and expected the same. But Eddie had his own side projects as well. Well, that was the deal that they had. The band had a they had a deal, no side projects. And that was kind of a thing 
throughout their 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 early career. Yeah, but Eddie only- did a he did a solo album with with Brian May. He played on Beat It. He, well, okay, gets- so Beat It. He played on Beat It with no credit, right? He didn't get a credit. He did a favor to Quincy Jones, yeah. who asked him to do it. Yeah, and he said, "Yeah, give me a case of beer, and and Michael can give me a dance lesson somewhere in the future." He also said he didn't want any money because it would complicate things. He didn't want it to get all, and he said that, the, it, now this is at the time. He said that we're really not supposed to do side projects. That was a thing within the band. So he did the beat it thing without a credit, but everyone, I mean, it was distinctly Eddie Van Halen guitar style. Of course it was. No one was, no one was mimicking that. It was, it was the, I, it, Michael Anthony and Quincy Jones were no dummies. They recognized that if they were able to get Eddie Van Halen to play on that song, that they would have a crossover hit. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, for those of you that are listening right now, there was a rock station in Boston called WBCN that played rock and never played Michael Jackson until, and they did play it a couple of times, they played Beat It. Yeah. So... Another interesting story behind that is he played it. He played it uh, in one take, I believe, right? It was something like that. And he was in the studio with Quincy and Michael, and Michael left the studio. And Eddie kind of said, okay, do this. I want you to chop this, put this in, you know, move this over here, and then blah, 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 however he did it without Michael knowing, and then he did it, and there you go. That's how you came up with the final. And fortunately, he said Michael was happy with the outcome of it, which he fucking better be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you got Eddie Van Allen you know, for nothing. So, so, some people call it one of the greatest guitar solos in history. I don't really know about that. I think it's, you know, it's classic Eddie. There's no way that you can deny that it's that it's not him. You know, a, Talk, talk about somebody that, in some regard, had, you know, artistic integrity and maybe not so much business sense. I mean, if you think about the Thriller, which, you know, is one of the highest selling records of all time. How much money did he actually walk away from? Millions. Millions of dollars. Oh, oh. <laughs> huge. As, as uh, one of our viewers, uh, Perry Didovich, just said, what kind of money could Eddie have made if he was credited with it? Millions of dollars. And I think that was when he said it just gets too con- – again, hey, listen, the bottom line to this whole thing, when Quincy Jones asks for a favor, you give him the favor. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially back me, then. He, he called me the other day. <laughs> He had some junk in his backyard that he needed me to take out. So yeah. there I went, uncredited. So <laughs> actually, um, let me see. Do you know Michael Anthony's real name? I can't remember that off the top of my head. Michael Anthony Sobolewski. Ah. <laughs> he made the right move. Hmm, he definitely made the right move. He made the Actually, right move. I think he should have gone with Michael Anthony Cash or Michael Anthony Haskell or Michael Anthony Locke or Michael Anthony Fisher. <laughs> For those of you that are listening, I'm just reading all the people that are 
making comments along the but, lines. But definitely not Michael Anthony Calabrese. That's that's just totally out. <laughs> uh, what, what about Michael Anthony Didovich? <laughs> no? Okay. All right. We're varying off. So, we got, wait, so, Mike? so listen, wait a minute. Before before we leave yeah, yeah. the Michael Anthony thing, and I, and I don't know how much you've actually researched, but here's one of the things. You know, very complex band. You know, Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, you know, a band that was known for partying and good times and, you know, having unity and whatnot, but very complicated and in some aspects of it really dark. So one of the things that um, I had read was that when they had actually did a, 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 a tour back in like, I think it was 2004 where they reunited in order for Michael Anthony to participate in that tour, they forced him. To give up his writing credits. Not just that. It was a strictly royalty-free. You get He was almost like a hired gun. He played, yeah, he played the bass and did backing vocals, right? And he got no credits for it. it, it it's yeah. almost, and the only reason he came back was because Sammy Hagar said, I won't do it if, unless Michael Anthony comes. Yeah, and I'm sure Michael Anthony made... A boatload of money. I think if you go online and you and you look up, you know, um, Michael Anthony's um, net I think worth. He's worth. I think he's worth like seventy million dollars. Yeah, actually. yeah. You know, I mean, you know, how much is too much? How much is is not enough? But it was still just a douchebag move amongst the band because if you look at those well, 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 band not Halen amongst records, amongst the brothers. Yeah, and Alex always did what Eddie said. Yep, of course. There's no denying well, that. I, I get news for you. If I'm Alex Van Halen. And I'm in a band with Eddie Van Halen. I'm going to do everything he wants me to do. Well, you know, that, that might be the case, but that wasn't the case with Creedence Clearwater Revival. That actually destroyed the band. Of course it did. You know, when the brothers, the, you know, the one brother got jealous. Of the, although Alex is like, hey, I, I'm just going to play the drums. You're right. I'm, I'm Look, cool. not, not, not for nothing, but brothers and bands, it's not a good combination. Well, think Never about seemed to work out. Ray, Ray and Day Davies. Phil and whatever his name is, Everly. Uh, the boys, Liam and Noel from Oasis, right? Yeah. Uh, Rich and Chris from the Black Crows. You know, the Van Halen brothers. All those two guys found a way to get along. And they always the got ways, along, yeah. I think Alex the ways they got back. along was Alan was just, Alex was just like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they met, him and Alex and Michael Anthony met in Pasadena. It was the Pasadena Music Conserva Conservatory of Music or something like that. So, so at the beginning, I know you know who discovered them, basically, right? Yes, I do. Yes. So, so Gene, I'll let you, I'll let you carry right, that so I'll, I'll, I'll give you the history best I know it. So, you know, Van Halen was doing a lot of small gigs in and around Pasadena and around L.A., and they were discovered, if you will, by Gene Simmons of KISS. Yes. And Gene saw the potential, obviously. Now, that back in the day, you know, they were a hot band. As a matter of fact, they were such a hot band, and Eddie's technique was so original that a lot of the times he actually played with his back to the audience because he didn't want a lot of the guitar plays in and around L.A. to steal his stuff. Right. So Gene Simmons gets involved and thinks that he can actually, I think he wanted to manage them. He this was produces, in 77, by the way. This was in 77. He produces a demo. Yes. A pretty rough demo. And, and I've listened to it. You can actually get it online. 
And here's one of the things. I mean, you definitely can hear it's Van Halen, but the production, it sounds like a fucking Kiss record. There's no oh. high end. It's muddy. It's just lousy. You know, Gene Simmons, hey, he's had a long and lengthy career. God bless him and whatnot. He's not a great producer. No. He certainly wasn't back in 1977. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he takes them to New York for an audition with his record company, which I would assume was Casablanca Records, right? Mm -hmm. Takes them there. Their manager says, <laughs> well, first, before they get there, Gene Simmons wants them to change the name from Van Halen to Daddy Longlegs. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they did have a couple of names before Van Halen. No, At one point, but they that were called one, That was Daddy a resounding yeah. hell no. 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 So, so along those lines, at one point, they were called Rat Salad, yeah. and then they were called Mammoth, and they, yeah. they found out that, you know, they had, um, uh, there were other, there was another band called that. Actually, their first name, believe it or not, was Genesis. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And they, they realized that there was obviously another band by the name of Genesis over in England with Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins and the rest of that crew. So then they go to Mammoth, and there was a smaller band that actually had that name. And it was David Lee Roth that made the suggestion to call it Van Halen because they thought that it had unity and strength much like Santana. There you go. That was the comparison. Yeah, it had a nice nice, nice ring to it. And I'm sure the, the brothers didn't mind. No, not at all. You know, And it is a strong name. If you think about it, it's, it is a strong name. So... They get declined by Kiss's manager saying they don't have a shot in hell, pretty much. Probably one of the only mistakes Gene Simmons ever made business-wise. Because that guy never makes a wrong move. And we're not going to go off on him, you know. He's, so, he's, he's an interesting guy. But you know what? They, they are... Van Halen is in a long line of bands that were rejected initially from record companies. U2 was rejected by, you know, 20 or more record companies. The Pretenders were rejected by record companies. The fucking Beatles were rejected yeah. by record companies. Yeah. Because yeah. somebody didn't hear it or somebody didn't know how to market it or somebody was goddamn fucking lazy. Right. And going back to the beginning, of course, you know, you know. But I don't know if the listeners know that originally Eddie played the drums and Alex played the guitar. Yeah, when, when they were kids. Yeah. And Eddie was out working and Alex would sneak in and play his drum kid. Finally, he just said, you know what? Just fucking switch. I don't care. I don't care. Switch instruments. Yeah. Like, just stay there. Yeah. <laughs> right? So then they move on, right? And they get they get discovered and... The first album comes out in what, 78? Uh, 77. The first album came out in 77? I, th I think it was 77. So that same year that they got turned down by the record company and did the demo with Gene Simmons? I'll, I'll check my uh, my rectangle here. Yeah, but I I'm think pretty it was sure. I, I, I always thought it was 78, but either way. You may be right. And then from that point on, the legends were born, right? Well, not before then. 
So here's, here's one side note that, that you may not know, is that when they first started recording Van Halen, and they recognized that they had an immense talent in this band, but even back then, in those early days, there was some concern amongst the record companies. So they were signed to Warner Brothers Records, and they had... Um, the, Warner Brothers had some concerns, as did the, the uh, producer, I believe, that David Lee Roth's vocals were not as strong as they could be. And they actually considered, and I don't know how far they actually took this, but they considered replacing David Lee Roth before their first album came out. And they had a number of different lead singers that they were considering, including Sammy Hagar. Ah. Ah, maybe that's why they went after him after David Lee Roth, right? So well, they come out. You know, if if you if you look at some of those early gigs, so one of one of the early uh, tours of Van Halen, they were an opening act, and they were on. Like I've seen concert posters where they were the opening act. So Boston was the headliner, and Journey, Van Halen, and Sammy Hagar. We're all on the same bill back then. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, little foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's 77, 78, Van Halen one comes out. Classic album. One of the greatest. 78. The greatest debut albums in music history. And they take off. So what is your favorite Van Halen album? Believe it or not, I mean, I, I think that Van Halen 1 is a flawless album. I don't think there's a song that's, ba that's bad on that. As a matter of fact, I, I think the original catalog, and you got to remember, take into consideration that was a, I was a Van Halen freak, you know, back Well, back we all were. Anybody, I think we all were, yeah. Yeah, anybody, anybody that, that grew up in Winthrop knew that. But I was a bigger fan of Van Halen 2, then I was of Van Halen 1, only for the fact that Van Halen 1 was so played so much that I liked some of the things that you didn't hear so often. I think Van Halen 2 is song for song, and we've had this debate. I've said this. Van Halen 2, song for song, is, um, I think, a better album. But I'm a second album guy. I, for some reason... Van Halen 2, I like it better than Van Halen 1. Candy O, I like better than the Cars debut. Um, who else was there? Um, I was just thinking, oh, Aerosmith. I like Get Your Wings more than featuring Dream On. I always like second albums for some reason. I don't know if it's just a thing, but... Um, yeah, you know what? I, I, I have to tell you, I mean, from, from my perspective, personal feelings aside, you look at what they accomplished with Van Halen 1, Oh, on paper, it is an amazing album. Doesn't mean it's on, not a great album. Yeah. On on paper, Van Halen one is a better album than Van Halen two. I just like Van Halen two better. Yes, it's a fantastic, fantastic album. So, but by, by when, the way, Van Halen one, the fucking audacity. Who puts a guitar solo on an album? And never mind an album, a debut album. <laughs> right. So okay, Eruption. The story behind Eruption is. He was, Eddie Van Halen was warming up for a gig, you know, before a gig. He's in the studio, and the producer walks by, 
And here's that. He says to the engineer, what's that? He goes, he's just warm up. He goes, get that on tape. So that was, so they said, okay. And he does it. And to the day he died, Eddie Van Halen said, I could have done that better. And he picks out mistakes. Like we think it's a masterpiece, right? This fucking genius. He hears, he goes, I made a mistake at the top of this. And then, you know, I should have done this over here. I could have made it better. Like, yeah, really? But here's, here's the thing. And I, and I think some people uh, kind of miss this, especially if you think if you look at like progressive rock, prog rock, you know, people want absolute perfect scales and whatnot. We as listeners, as readers, as observers of art, we love the mistakes. Yeah, we love right? those little flaws. I mean, you, you think about the beginning couple of uh, chords of Roxanne. Right. And, and a lot of people may not know this, but, you know, when Roxanne was being recorded, Sting backs into a piano and he that laugh that he does is because he bumps it in it that's magic man oh i didn't know that either good good yeah. good info good info is that where it makes the noise that yeah yeah that he, really he, he backs into a piano i never knew that how did yeah. i not know that son of a bitch oh, i'm <laughs> no, sorry that's, that's, that's good sorry. info buddy but this is this is what this show is about no, no. Is me, is me just... educating you about rock and roll. <laughs> I'm here to help you, brother. <laughs> I'm your Eddie Van Halen to your Alex Van Halen. <laughs> okay. All right. Listen, <laughs> when was the first time you saw them in concert? 1980. I, 1980. Boston Garden, the Van Halen invasion tour, me and my friend Greg Porter. July 25th, 1980. God, God rest his soul. My friend Greg Porter, who passed away last week, he and I literally skipped school, snuck on the train, went to the Boston Garden, waited in line, and bought our $9 tickets that were in the loge, bought pot off of the guys that were sitting behind us, and saw Van Halen on the Women and Children First Tour. So think about that for a second. In 1980, I was 15. All of you parents out there, would you ever let your kid take the train into Boston by themselves? Or oh, not parents today. No. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. There's a certain type and, and, of parent. And do you know why? Why? Because we were kids back then and snuck on the train and drank beer underage and bought pot off of complete strangers and went to rock concerts and came at home at you know midnight one o'clock whatnot. But that was well, my parents best back best then, school. and I'm not I'm not going to get into all this. Parents back then were different. Parents back then weren't helicopter parents. There's a certain type of parent today that won't let that happen. Me personally, you want to fucking take the train? Be careful. <laughs> you got a cell phone? Use it. Um, there's different types of parents in this country right now, and we won't discuss that any further. So. I also was at that show, and as usual, I made it up to the front row. <laughs> of course at you one did. Point, at one point during that show, somebody in the front row hands David Lee Roth this joint that had to be 10 inches long. Oh, I remember that. Right? And he goes, this is one fucking big joint, right? Lights it up, takes a hit. Who does he hand it to? 
Yours Alex truly. <laughs> did you smoke it? I did. And was then it was it was it actually pot? It was real. It was real pot. Yeah, because you know they, they, there were questions back in those days. Like, remember he used to chug the Jack Daniels. Yeah, was it iced stage? tea? Right. A, a lot of people thought it was yeah. iced tea, but the way that he was drinking it, ah, I don't so know. He hands the joint to me. I take a hit and I start getting mobbed. So what I did is I broke off a quarter of the joint from the back. And I just handed it to somebody and I took that and I reached and got my ticket stub and I rolled it up in my ticket stub and I had that joint. No, I I went in the military Uh. and one of my brothers took everything I owned. That's usually how it was. Every man for himself in my house. So yeah, that was my brush with fame. Me and David Lee Roth had contact. So how, how many times did you end up seeing Van Halen? I saw them twice. So the second time, so let me give you the set list from that night, by the way. I would love to hear it. Romeo Delight, Bottoms Up, Drum Solo, which they always had, Running with the Devil, Take Your Whiskey Home, Dance the Night Away, Women in Love, Tora Tora, Loss of Control, slash Loss of Control, and The Cradle Will Rock, On Fire, Everybody Wants Some, Ain't Talking About Love, Guitar Solo, Spanish Fly, and then into Eruption, Jamie's Crying, then for an encore, David Lee Roth comes out with the big acoustic guitar that was a popsicle. Yep, the Dave-sickle. Yep, and does the Ice Cream Man, does Ice Cream Man, and they end it with You Really Got Me. So I bought a baseball hat. There's a picture of me on Facebook, oh, and yeah. I got that yeah, Van Halen baseball hat. I've seen hat. it. I've seen it. Shittiest so, baseball hat ever. I've seen them twice. So the second time I saw them was, what was that? That was, so it was July 25th, 1981. Okay. So that show, I didn't have tickets. I went in. I don't even know who I was with. So when you went into the Boston Gardens, There was an entrance off of Causeway Street, which was the main street for the podcast listeners. There was a, 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 you know, and and you could go in different ways. Under the Boston Garden was a train station, like you'd walk into this train station. So one of these entrances, there was an arcade on the right-hand side. I remember that, sure. Right. On the left-hand side, at one point, you see a set of steps that led up to two sets of double doors, which were for when people leave. Right, they would open those doors when the concert was over. So I walked by there, and there's about twenty kids at the top of the steps, kids from Dorchester, Southie, Charlestown, and I'm like, "Yo, what's up?" And they're like, "We're trying to get in." Okay, uh, I'm up for that. One of these kids somehow gets the the guy on the other side of the door to open it. And the door opens, and this old guy, he had to be 70. He's like, you kids can't be here. He's got the yellow, the gold Boston guy in, like, you know, Usher's jacket on. You guys can't be here, you know, just. And this one dude just goes, fuck that, and grabs the door, rips it open, and we run into the garden. It's like, it's like turning on the light and watching the roaches just scatter everywhere. 
we went everywhere, right? So I get caught. I get caught. And security guard looks at the other guy. He goes, what do you want me to do? He says, fuck it. Let him go. So he lets me go. (laughs) So I see the show. See the show. After the show, I go out back. I'm like, this is just going to be a totally free night. Tonight is a free night. Because you got the t-shirt guy. Right? T-shirt guy's holding up two Van Halen concert t-shirts. He's got his duffel bag. Holds them up. They're tied together by the arm. I don't like where this story's going. Oh, <laughs> neither did the t-shirt guy. <laughs> so I just decide I'm going to do a snatch, a snatch and dash. I... <laughs> Rip the t-shirts from his hand, and I just start running. This dude chased me through the back parking lot. He must have chased me through that parking lot about, I don't know, a good hundred yards. We were weaving it until he gave up. So I got my two free concert t-shirts. See, you have no idea how that type of activity reverberates in history, because what I had read was back in 19, I mean, in 2004, when Van Halen was reunited and going on tour and they had to consider cutting Michael Anthony out in terms of his royalties and whatnot. They specifically said it was because it, they didn't make enough money in T-shirt sales back in the 70s or the 80s. You fucked Michael Anthony. Yeah. So I got a free Van Halen concert and two free T-shirts. So... So, you know, just because you asked, you know, we, we went to that show and I saw every Van Halen tour probably twice, you know, because for a little while they would play Boston or they would play two nights in Worcester. But I saw them in 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I was I was enamored with that band. I just thought they were the greatest thing ever, you know, because I was so bored shitless by Led Zeppelin. Ah, I never saw them again. I went out on top. I don't so know last that week, you went, I don't know that you went out on top. The 1984 tour. No, I'm telling you, I got a free concert and two free concert T-shirts. I went out ah, on top. Come on. Come by my those, own doing. No yeah. one handed this to me. By by the way, since you mentioned it, I'll tell you, one of the things that used to frustrate the living shit out of me seeing Van Halen, as good as a bass player as Michael Anthony was, as good as a drummer as Alex was, as good as, um, you know, a vocalist, whether you believe it or not, as David Lee Roth was, I didn't need them to be doing solos. I mean, if you think about the time that those guys took to do those little segments... How many songs or how many other songs that they actually could have played? I, I don't need Michael Anthony pounding on his bass. It's fucking boring. Alex Van Halen doing a drum solo. Fucking boring. David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar with their vocal stylings. Who gives a shit? Now, Eddie Van Halen, take your time. Do your thing. Yeah. Michael Anthony had that Jack Daniels bass guitar, remember? Yeah, he, he would he would bang on it and he would yeah. you know play these notes and then he would drop it on the ground and he would he would you know bounce on it and drop this is a, it and stuff. Who gives a shit? It's a totally though these concerts were totally driven by testosterone. Yeah. Even the girls had fucking testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a, like the average girl didn't go see Van Halen. <laughs> no, that's I mean? that's not true. That's not true. There was always girls. Uh, it, it was it wasn't like going to see Rush. Listen, L- like going to see going to see Rush. Out, 
Go, when, going, when to see 19- Rush, going to see Rush, the only girls that were in there were working at the concession stands. <laughs> at Van Halen, you know, Eddie Van Halen was a good-looking guy. David Lee Roth, good-looking guy. Alex oh. Van Halen played the drums. <laughs> David Lee Roth, talk about going from fucking heaven to hell in the looks department. Jesus Christ. This guy looks like he should be sitting at a Jewish deli in New York. Yeah, he's not like us that have aged so well. I mean, look at us. I mean, we both wanted to be rock stars and we both look like Billy Corgan and Billy Joel. And and and, whoa, hey. (laughs) Who's who? (laughs) I don't know their piano man. Hey, easy, easy. (laughs) Easy. So 1984, the big, you know breakout you know that, that was the, that was that sent them into the stratosphere that was their joshua tree right that was their they got nominated albums. for grammy they're only number one ever 10 million albums their biggest selling album ever right and it had a lot of hype leading up to it and that was it it was it for a long time so david was- lee roth decides i want to go make a movie and they gave him like it was like CBS, one of these studios gave him like $10 million to do Crazy from the Heat, which were based on his videos. If you watch the Just the Gigolo and uh, uh, California Girls, you, you know, the, him and his manager were going to go on some crazy, and it fell through, right? Sure. So he has moderate a- success. As it, as it should. David, as- David Lee Roth has a fucking trail of failed experiments along the way. Do you remember when he actually had his own radio station with uh, ra- not radio station, radio show where he was uh, trying to compete with Howard Stern disaster. Uh, uh. Listening but, but to I, him talk. I, I, I will just, tell you the, the first two David Lee Roth solo albums, some good stuff on there, man. Oh, well he had Steve Vai playing guitar, right? Billy, so he had, Billy he had some Sheehan. good people around him. Yeah, he sure did. You know, so, then we go on to the second incarnation, which we already know that one of our one of our longtime friends, uh, Ruthie Fisher, does not like Van Hagar. And I actually got a couple of uh, comments on Facebook as I, you know, promoted the live stream about make sure you separate Van Halen and Van Hagar. So there's I was one of those people originally. That I thought they should change it. their name? No, I wasn't a Sammy Hagar fan. I'm still not a big Sammy Hagar fan, but I wasn't a Sammy Hagar fan with Van Halen. I thought I was a David Lee Roth guy, you know, and I never gave them a chance. Although when I was stationed in the Philippines from 87 to 89, that's when their videos started busting out. And I kind of secretly liked them, but I would never admit it. <laughs> so before we get into that before we get into that we we don't ever talk about the show prior to the show this is not a produced show or produced podcast in the sense of we compare notes and i i have no notes exactly yeah i i might have minimal this is this is uh this is my memory and the time that I've spent and the research that I've done over the years, which if had it been applied to something constructive, 
I would be far more successful and wealthy than I am today. Buddy, I, I, think, I think you and I did okay for ourselves. But yeah, anyways, yeah, for, two, yeah, yeah. for two guys that had a lot of music and still have a lot of music knowledge and always said the same thing, if I had just applied this on something else, uh, I would I, have been somebody. I, I could have walked the halls of MIT solving math problems on chalkboards instead of saying, uh, uh, David Lee Roth, is, uh, his father or his uncle actually managed the Sewa yeah. in, the, in the 60s where Bob Dylan yeah. played. <laughs> All those stupid facts. Oh, David Lee Roth's a mountain climber. This, this, before the internet. This, this information has not gotten me a fucking free beer, never mind money. <laughs> but look at where we are now, buddy. <laughs> We're doing a podcast, right? We're putting it out to the world. We're sharing all our knowledge with everybody. All 12 listeners. <laughs> no. So I did ask you for – now this is where the, the live stream might get shut off. And this show is going over an hour. We made a mistake with Aerosmith. We cut it short because we tried to – but there's too much here. And we're just going to go with this one. We're going to go with it. We're not going to leave really a lot on the table. But I did ask you for your five <laughs> – somebody actually – Okay, Jack just held up the Van Halen One album that he got from Amazon because he's part of the Amazon Record Club, right? And a friend of mine actually said, I might buy that off him. My friend Richard Merrill that suggested this show tonight, last week, guy we're good. I love Richard Merrill. He, he, he called me. He goes, I, I might buy that album off Jack. Richard, so Richard Merrill, if you're listening, if you <laughs> send me a self-addressed envelope, I will mail this to you. <laughs> How about it's yours, that? Richard? Or Richard Merrill won the album. If somebody, if the seventh caller can call and answer, <laughs> yeah, so. which is the third cut off of the fourth Van Halen album, this record is yours. <laughs> so you did, I asked you for your five favorite Van Halen songs. Now, like I said, this is where the, li the live stream might get cut because Facebook has an issue with, just just play a little bit. I will. Just, I'll just, play a little just, clip. So just, just these aren't in any bit. particular order of your five. Just, so the just first one of, is. Just think of your wiener. Oh, hey now. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. That's, uh, I could have said something, but I won't. Anyways, <laughs> it's because you think of it all the time. It's not my fault. Um, here we go. From Van Halen 1. Good choice. No, buddy. There's, there's no arguing on any of these, right? Right? I'm the one from Van Halen 1. All right? This is your second one of, your, one of your choices. Like I said, not in any particular order. Here we go. From Van Halen 2. Light up the sky. Good choice, buddy. I like it. I like it. All right. So I'm trying to cut these a little bit short. Number three. This is kind of a this is kind of a um kind of a deep cut from Women and Children First. In a simple oh, rhyme. Beautiful right? song. Under underplayed, under recognized. Ah, it, I'd call it a deep cut because, yeah, it really is. I saw that. I was kind of surprised, too. Right? There you go. 
I stretched that one up. All right, good choice, good choice. What are we on, number? Uh, so we're going to go to what, number four? From Fair Warning. Again, you can't go wrong with any of these. No. You really can't, right? I was busting your ball saying, Jack sent me this. He texted me this. I told him, that's a shitty list. He called me a moron, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, your fifth song, a classic, total classic. You don't even need to hear any more than this. No, but, but as you can see, the way that I did it is I picked one song off of each album. Gee, I didn't notice that. In order, by the way. <laughs> See, I didn't do that. Right? All right. So those are your five. Well, I need to hear the guitar slide. Oh. Scott, the IT guy said six seconds. You're breaking. Now you're breaking the ring. No, no, don't do it. All right. There's your guitar solo. All right. Now I'm going to give you my five. This right here is my all-time favorite, all-time favorite Van Halen song. From Van Halen 2, my all-time favorite Van Halen album. Ah, I f- How fucking great is this song? <laughs> it's beautiful. This song just... I could th- never get sick of this song. Such a great fucking song, right? Uh, underrated song, underplayed song. Absolutely it is. Right? Just a great, great song. Right? Now I get I want to hear my guitar solo. Hold on. And again, we're we're gonna get shut down. Here we go. Okay, okay, let me get before <laughs> we get shut down. I'm tempting fate here. My second one is also from that, and this is kind of a deep cut, very underrated song. Just a vicious, vicious song. D-O-A. Just vicious. Yeah, big. Get my blood pumping so, doing this. So now. hey, Scott, Scott, just before you actually go into you know your next song, and you these are great choices, by the way. And I, I thought that one of the things I know they are. <laughs> go on, it's a podcast, Jack. It's yeah, not a visual I know, I know. show. Um, so <laughs> one of the, one of the things that people should know is a lot of these records, Van Halen one, Van Halen two, Van Halen three, they were recorded in like a couple of weeks. You yeah. know, or a week or a couple of days in between tours. I mean, Jump was, was recorded in one day. It was they, done in they one were, day. They were a working class band. You know, it didn't take them years or a year to put these records. You know why? Out. You know why? Because they fucking came up in the 70s when you earned it. That's and right, that's what God you damn did. sons of bitches. That's what you did, right? So, but I agree with you. They were just, they were root, they were just. So then we move on for my, what is it? This is my one, two, my third song. From Fair Warning. Great, great song. 
hear about it later, right? Now, everybody, got to, if you're listening to this, you got to go download this stuff. I mean, this is great stuff that you probably haven't listened to in, in a long time. Or or never. Or never. Well, I'm sure people watching have heard it, but, you know, and a lot of people, average listeners... Yeah, baby. <laughs> Just mean. Mean. But say that edge, right? That edge that you're playing, that meanness, that's what the, the Hagar era lacked. They were polished. They were shiny. They were fun, you know? Right. Roth, Roth brought that grit. So then, let's see. That was Hear About It Later from Fair Warning. Now... This is my fourth, one of my fourth favorite. Again, not necessarily any order. It's played a lot, but it's still a great fucking song. Great song. Again, that vicious guitar, you know, and Roth just screaming like a lunatic. Everyone, everybody wants some. From women and children first. What year did this come out? 85? No. No. 84? Like 80. 80. 80, I mean. No, not 80. This came out in 80. 83, didn't it? 80. 80? 1980. No, 1980. Wow. Well, I know I'll it came you. out before 1984. I'll, t- I'll tell you in a second. 1980. Wow. All right. Like I like I said, this was the first tour that I saw them. It was 1980. That's right. Okay. Get your fucking facts straight. God damn it. Ah, all right. <laughs> I made a mistake. All right. And my my the fifth choice is, of course, just can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with this. I never get sick of this song. I get sick of Jamie's crying and I never get sick of this song. Brings me back to the Igno days. Hanging out with the Ignos. Yep. That's another story for another time. Had this had this on vinyl, A-track, cassette, <laughs> cassette. CD, <laughs> downloaded it. <laughs> and now you got another copy. That my buddy just texted me during the podcast, the live stream, and said he wants the album. It's all his. <laughs> well, he did request the show, so he wins a prize. If not not, not only this, but request, you send me a self-addressed envelope, but I will be happy to autograph this on your behalf. <laughs> yeah, that's all he wants is your autograph. So did you know that Eddie Van Halen was in Back to the Future? Kind yes, of? I do. Yeah, most that tape pe- most that said people, Edward Van Halen was really him. Most most people think that he it was he him playing the when he was when Michael J. Fox was playing on stage, which is not the case. Right. Well, Eddie Van, Eddie Van when Halen, he snuck into his 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 he snuck into his father's room when he went back to the future. Yep. He pulled out a cassette and he put headphones on it. And it said Edward Van Halen on it. 
And that was really, and Eddie Van Halen said, yeah, I didn't want credit for it. It was a mess. It was just, but yeah, it was yeah, good. Yeah. It was a lot of noise. He was, he was just making noise. And he never admitted to it, though. He never, up until a long time after, he finally yeah. said, yeah, that, that that was me. Yep. That was me. So um, did you know that Eddie Van Halen has a, a patent? He has three patents pending, but one of them, one of them is called, now I want to get this right. Let me get this right. He has a patent, and it's called the abstract, right? What it is is he designed this. It's a strap that goes from one end of the guitar to the other. It goes around the back of your neck. And he, he designed this kind of uh, board behind the guitar that would mm-hmm. lean on your lap or yeah, while you're standing. And it would leave the guitar so your hand, both hands are free. And you could play, it's almost like a steel guitar type thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right? Except he did it for an electric guitar. Sure. And he was working on that, and I don't know, it's, it never Eddie, really. Eddie Van Halen was a genius. I mean, you think about think about his guitars and the way that they looked, you know, with the stripes and whatnot. He created that. He did you those. Th- he taped those. He taped those, and he did those all himself. Yeah, also, and he would sell them, too. Yeah. Also, remember that one of the things that most listeners don't know is Eddie was the inventor of what they called the brown sound. The brown sound, yes. He would take apart his guitars and try different things. Well, he was he trying actually, to keep up with Alex's drum, like he wanted to mimic his yep. drum. I mean, that's so unbelievably technical. So he, I mean, Eddie Van Halen has his own guitar amplifier line and whatnot. And this isn't one of those things where he was a celebrity and just put his name on it. He right. was actively involved in the creation and the development of this technology. So Dimebag, Dimebag Daryl, yep. the unbelievable guitarist, rest in peace, from Pantera, was a huge Eddie Van Halen fan, right? So he had Wanted reached to buy out one of to Eddie. Guitars. He heard Eddie was making, the, making these special guitars, and he taped all those lines on them himself. And he said, next time we meet, yeah, I'll, I'll hook you up. I'll do one right in front of you, he said. We could do it together. And so Dimebag Daryl was like, it's the greatest thing in the world because that was his inspiration, right? Eddie Van Halen was his inspiration. Dimebag Daryl gets killed on stage during a show. Fucking tragic, right? So at his funeral... Eddie Van Halen brought the Bumblebee guitar. It's the guitar he's holding up, the the black with the yellow stripes on the back cover of Van Halen 2. And he puts it in his coffin with him. And he yep. he's, he never even played that guitar on Van Halen 2. That guitar wasn't built yet. It wasn't Yeah, ready. it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't finished. Yeah. Sure. But he was holding it up. He put that in his in his tomb. So they asked one of the guys from Pantera about that. He said, if you had told us 20 years ago, if you had told Daryl 20 years ago that Eddie Van Halen would give you a guitar if you died, he would have said, kill me now. That's how much of a fan he was of it. How fucking cool is that? He buried his guitar with Dimebag Daryl. Yeah, it's pretty cool. If you've never heard Dimebag Daryl play guitar, Listen to some Pantera. It's not everybody's cup of tea. But that dude was a self-taught 
Genius. Genius. By the way, I so mean, was Eddie Van Halen. So was Eddie Van Halen, yeah. 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 Who, uh, by, the, by the way, since you brought up, you know, Bumblebee, do you know the name of the red and white and black stripe guitar that he played most often? Do you know the name I don't. of that? Well, that is a combination of a handful of guitars, you know, and I don't, I don't know that this is accurate, but it might be a Fender neck, a Kramer body, you know, the innards of a Les Paul or whatever it is. But he affectionately referred to it as Frankenstein. Frankenstein, huh? Did you notice that pause there? That negative yeah, the space negative that I created? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. So, hey, wait, we're running hey. out of time. We're no, no, wait, we're not. We, we got plenty of time. We haven't dedicated a moment of this show to Sammy Hagar. Well, this is where we were going to now, right? So Sammy Hagar comes along, and they become a whole different band. Like you said, more polished more produced well i mean they're always well produced right but they become like well, a they, whole they, different sound right they switch producers here's kind of an interesting fact that people might find interesting and completely useless so you know for the first van halen albums through the roth era they used a guy by the name of ted templeman who's i think previous credits include like the doobie brothers so they they continue on Van, and Eddie Van Halen gets more involved in the production. But you know who ends up producing one or maybe even a couple of their albums? Mick Jones. From, from The Clash. From Foreigner. Oh, from Foreigner. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's been a few Mick Joneses out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a Mick, Mick Jones, Jones from Foreigner was a good producer. Still yeah. is, I guess. Yeah, but just, you know, just different. Different sound, more polished. I mean, listen, you think you think of the kind of the grittiness of the early Van Halen albums and the polish of the later Van Halen albums. Then think about the polish of I Want to Know What Love Is. I've been waiting for a girl like you, urgent and whatnot. They took on more of a middle of the road pop sound. Yeah. Well, it was successful. Oh, yeah. I fought it. A lot of people today still don't buy into it. A lot of purists, but I didn't at first, but it, that's the beauty of music, right? So you go back and, you, and when, when the hype dies down, you give it a listen and you start to like it. Like I was like, like I said, I kind of quietly liked a couple of songs from uh, OU812. You know, what, the videos a, he, were good because that's yeah, here's, what you, in, in, here's, what? here's the thing for me. And I, and I do like some of the Sammy stuff. I do agree. Totally different band, totally different vibe, totally different, you know, style, you know, and sound, if, if you will. And, and you got to give Sammy his credit. He did not have to join Van Halen. He had a pretty successful solo career going on. Started on started off with Montrose back in the 70s. Had a good solo career going, and, you know, I can't drive 55 and whatnot. He certainly wasn't at the level of Van Halen, but he was no bum either. No. But for, for me, I think the transition when those early Van Halen albums were fucking great albums. The Van Hagar years, they were great songs, but not necessarily great albums from start to finish. In 
my opinion. I have no argument with you. I have no argument with you. I mean, they, they I've never, honestly, truth be told, I've never listened to a, an entire album with Sammy Hagar. You well, the, the second one, OU812, I think is a great record from start to finish, but I think that's the only one. You know, the, fir- the first one, there's some great cuts on it. There's some, there's some clunkers in there. OU812 is, is great. 5150 uh, was a good album. 5150 50 was, there was some good stuff on there. I didn't love yeah. it from start to finish, but I was still a, a Roth guy. And, and remember, remember, David Lee Roth's first solo album, and 5150 came out about the same time. So there was a lot of comparisons, and I was a David Lee Roth guy. I thought that band, that band was tighter. I thought they were grittier. I thought the songwriting was a lot better. It's just my opinion. I thought they really gelled in OU1812. I thought for, um, for unlawful, unlawful common knowledge, whatever it is. Was was pretty good, you know, and then balance. I thought was a terrible record. I thought that. Yeah, they I think really, they fell off on that one. They but they just. Sammy Hagar actually wanted to name an album "Fuck," just because that was when the censorship, you know, the tip of gore and. Yeah, they but were that's you know what albums. you know what that's just a fucking dumb idea. It's just a dumb idea. Well, he got it for unlawful well, carnal knowledge. I mean, he, he did, got but, it. He but, got it across. That, that was one of the things that drove me nuts about Sammy Hagar is that double entendre bullshit that he tried to do. It wasn't that clever. Did you Sorry. say double? Did you say double entendre? Yeah, you like that? I, double I entendre, double the entendre. giant. Tra. Not Dre. Well, Dr. What are you Dre. trying to be fancy? Yeah. I'm <laughs> a trying, fancy boy. You trying, trying to impress? <laughs> you, know what, you know what I loved about David Lee Roth when they asked him about. The way he says double entendre? Right. Double entendre the giant. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Good recovery, buddy. Good recovery. <laughs> Sammy is a better singer than David Lee Roth. Technically. But but Sammy mm. Sammy technically is a better singer than Mick Jagger. Who would you rather hear? Uh, yeah. I, yeah I, Mick do, Jagger. do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I tell you, I, one of the things that I really loved about David Lee Roth was his smart-ass attitude. He actually said in an interview, he was like, "Sammy Hagar is a great singer." He was like, "But I am the singer." But I'm what? The singer. Oh, but I'm the singer. Yeah, and, I, and as far as Van Halen went, you know, I meant to get this out earlier, and I don't want to. I want to keep talking about you know the the second you know the Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. Uh, there was a there was an episode b- backstage in the dressing room or something when uh, David Lee Roth would get on Eddie Van Halen's nerves, and Eddie Van Halen at one show uh, backstage actually threw an entire bowl of guacamole at David Lee Roth, <laughs> right? But he misses him completely and hits Steve Perry. From- that's From that's Germany. right. And so so the rumor is is that Steve Perry he cried. cried. He cried. He cried. <laughs> Steve Perry cried because he got hit with a bowl of guacamole. <laughs> well, one thing and I can one one thing and I can assure you of is, is I'm never ever going to be able to sing like Steve Perry. But if or more appropriately, when you throw a bowl of guacamole at me, I will not cry. 
I will not cry. <laughs> I'll test that out next time we get together. We'll go Mexican. <laughs> we'll go Mexican. So, so they Van Hagar, as they called it, uh, they had some. So actually, you do. You and I have some songs. Let's let's kind of give them their due too. So, you gave me four songs. I have four songs. You have from the second incarnation of Van Halen. And your first one is from OU812. Sucker in a three-piece. Gritty, not polished, deep cut. Most people that are listening have never heard this song. I'm sure they haven't. I didn't until... Did you listen to it? No, I'd never heard it before. I never listened, like I said... I but never did you really listen, listened. Did you listen to it when I sent it to you? Yeah, it's a good song. No, it's a great fucking song, you moron. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to cut it off because I can't. All right. Now, see how I can do that? Your second Van, we'll just say Van Hagar song that you like. Good song. Good, 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 good song. Come on. This is one of the songs that got me. Give me a a head rock. Give me a head rock. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That feels good, doesn't it? Come on. It does. (laughs) This is a good song. See, if people, even I admit it, and I didn't like the Sammy Hagar thing, this is a good song. Right? So, that was off of 5150. So now we'll cut into your third Van Hagar song. Now, this one I hadn't heard either. Was this from the uh, Runaround? That's from this- uh, For Unlawful Carnal. It Memory. was. Okay. Yes. Now, this song, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a playlist together, a Spotify playlist. Of these Van Halen songs, and I'll I'll put it out tomorrow. Under the milk crates and turntables, Spotify playlist, right? Because we got that. We got a YouTube channel. We got Facebook. We got podcasts on all the podcasts. I say, yeah, we're doing okay. We're doing all right, buddy. All right, now let's get to your fourth one from OU812. Source of infection. Little old school there. That's a little old school, Eddie. Right? Yeah. There you go. So those are your little and then and, and that that drum is a little reminiscent of Hot for Teacher. Sure. Right? Sure. So maybe they were doing something there. Who knows? So now we'll cut into my four. And I will start with a song from OU812. My favorite Van Hagar song. Good song. Good song. Good video, too. 
Yes. Good video. When it's yeah, you know why? You know why? You know why? Because it's basically the band playing. It's just them playing. That's right. Yeah, no, no bullshit. No story. It's them black playing. and white. You know, well, kind of. Sh- a lot of shadows. So let's just get the right. Can't go wrong with this. I got to talk over it so we don't get shut off. Right? Wait, you, you got to... Oh, what? You cut it off early. Okay, I'll keep playing it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the video. <laughs> Remember, Jack, it's a podcast. It's not video. I understand that. I ind- I'm just, I'm trying to entertain you. I do this for you. You do a good job at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's break out into. Uh, oh, this is this is a jam right here. This is definitely a Philippines memory right here. Fucking jam. Yeah, you have to appreciate that they kind of. Went into a different direction and, and took on a different sound. Oh, I they mean, certainly Eddie, did. And Eddie's guitar, you know, his tone, his playing is ridiculous. On this. Yeah. This has like the best of all of it. You know, Hagar's voice is, it's kind of up front, you know. There you go. All right, now we'll move over. See, we're giving Van Hagar its props. Sure. Then this is a great, I mean, this is. I know it's a slower song. You you just lost me. Are you fucking shitting me? Are you kidding me? It's all right. Ugh. So let me me play the role of Jack. Let me play the role of Jack. Hold on, let me play the role of Jack. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? How can you say that? What are you talking? Tell me. <laughs> Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. How can you t- 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 tell me why I you think you don't like this song? That was terribly insulting. Whoa, whoa, First whoa, whoa. Off, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, wait. First wait. off, I don't sound like that at all. <laughs> How dare you? Go back and listen. Oh, that's right. You don't listen to the shows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen to the shows. This stuff is terrible. No. Uh, these shows are terrible. These shows I, you are know horrible. What? <laughs> I, you know what? You, you, uh. yeah, here's the Love thing. Love Walks you know, In is a good song. It, here's the thing about the Van Hagar years. You know, like I can listen to just about anything in the David Lee Roth years. And there are things that I love in the Van Hagar years. But there are equally as many songs in the Van Hagar years that just send chills up my spine just like cheesy terrible now that song that you just played love comes walking and love walks in not not bad in terms of the uh verses the chorus horrendously cheesy i don't know i like it 
Uh, hey, you know, you you I think it's a good you song. You like it. You like it with you like. That's that's great. I will never take that away from I'll you. tell you the song that, that, that that's kind of cheesy. Yeah, you dreams. do you do realize you do realize that one of the reasons that you like that why do you think you like that song that much? Okay. See, you just asked a question that and okay, you opened the door. And I'm gonna say why I like that song. Yeah. Is it reminds me of my first wife that passed away. Oh, what, what so I am hope I supposed feel to do with good that? Now. <laughs> I hope you feel good now. So, so okay. So that is completely justifiable. That <laughs> aside you can from asso- it being a good song, it's still a that, good song. Aside from that, you can associate that with very good memories, and, and yeah, bravo yeah. to you for that. But I do but, like the song. Yeah, but do you know why you originally liked that song? <laughs> There's another reason. There's a lot of synthesizer in that song. There's a lot of synthesizer in that song. Say it. Say it. Cynthia Lauper. <laughs> Cynthia Williams. Cynthia Crawford. <laughs> okay. Cynthia Lou Who. <laughs> Don't stretch it. Don't, do that. Don't beat a joke into Sorry. the ground, okay? <laughs> it's all about timing. Give it some negative space in there, Jack. Okay. I I have to, you know. I mean, you you know, you threw the misses in there. I what am I going to do with that? I, I, I feel <laughs> as horrible. As soon as you as soon as you I, said that, I'm like, do you really want to know why? No, I'm no, trying no. to avoid yeah, that. I, I'm I, you know, I try not to be the villain in these things, but I keep ending up <laughs> trying to be the villain in these things. <laughs> All right, and my fourth Van Hagar is actually from foreign for unlawful carnal knowledge, right? Oh my god. Top of the world. I like this song. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wonderfully cheesy. What's cheesy? Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Wait a minute. What's cheesy about this song? It is a cheesy song. And listen, I will concede. What? I can't hear you. I'm playing the song. What? now we're gonna get shut off. Scott, it's a cheesy song. Well, I don't like all your choices either, but. (laughs) Now, look, there there are times, you know, kind of a a guilty pleasure. I don't dislike this song, but it's a cheesy song. Standing on top of the world. Michael Anthony's killing it in this. Oh, (laughs) that's Jack. Does the jazz hands back and forth? Okay, okay. All it's, right. So I ended on a bad note. So what? <laughs> so what? It's my show. I do what I, I want. Feel, I feel like I'm in a senior citizen's home doing jazzercise. Uh, so Michael Anthony uh, went on with to form Chicken Foot with Sammy Hagar. Terrible band. Horrible. I wasn't. Yeah. Who was the drum? It was. That was kind of one of those. Chad. Chad. Chad Smith. Chad Smith Chad from Smith the Red, from Hot, Red Chili Hot Chili Peppers. Peppers. Right. Joe Satrion on guitar. Right. right. Mike, Michael Anthony on bass. Sammy Hager on lead lead vocals. Right. On paper, sounds like an awesome band. You know what they forgot? They forgot how to write fucking good songs. <laughs> My cousin was a huge fan. Oh, we we went and saw them. And I was bored shitless because I was like, I, I just don't know where this, these, these songs are not good. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Michael Anthony, you know, he never talked. He only talked to Alex Van Halen once. Eddie, never again. From 2004 on, he never talked to them again after what they did. Those guys were geniuses in terms of making music, but they were also geniuses in terms of creating drama and acrimony amongst that band. So I would be remiss to not tell this story. Whoa, 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 whoa. You like that? Whoa, whoa. Oh, here did we you go. Say, did you say remissed? Re, like remissed past tense? Remissed? I would be remissed. Like you remissed the last five Van Halen tours? So what is it? I would, I would be remiss? Yes. <laughs> no, it's not. Driving, driving remiss Daisy. Oh, Jesus. So David Lee Roth gets back with them for a money grab, right? And they, like I said, at this point, David Lee Roth looks like a a guy that should be sitting in a Jewish deli in New York City, drinking coffee and just yapping away because that's all he does. I don't know if I've ever known or heard anybody that likes to hear himself talk more than him and don't say me, (laughs) right? Hear himself talk. So they go on tour. They go on tour and they go to the Worcester Center. Now I'm down here in South Florida. So Phil Kelly goes to see them, right? And the next day, I text him, how was the show? And he says, he texts back, good show. I said, how was David Lee Roth? He said, he texts back, like he's like Dolly Parton's shoes. <laughs> so I look at, he's like Dolly Parton's shoes. And I text back, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and he texts back, who looks at Dolly Parton's shoes? <laughs> Phil Kelly, genius. It's all about Eddie you. Van Halen. You know what? I'll tell you, one of the things that used to frustrate the hell out of me about seeing Van Halen live, I always was frustrated by David Lee Roth. Like, I always wished that he would, like, really focus and concentrate on the lyrics instead of the dancing and, you know, pandering to the crowd and whatnot. You know, that used to that used to frustrate me. And the reality of it is, is as time went by. And this probably because, you know, whiskey drinking, smoking, you know, pot use and, and really kind of screaming in your younger years. You know, as you get older, your body can't handle that stuff. And David Lee Roth lost his voice and he never fucking got it back. But one of the things that we haven't talked about, have you ever listened to the Van Halen reunion album a different kind of truth no there's some good stuff on there i'll probably never listen to it um thank you thank you very much i'm just saying what about the gary sharon years oh the year (laughs) mismatch you know and, and it's and it's too bad gary sharon's a talented guy but, but you know what the, the problem with that record was? It wasn't Gary Sharon's vocals or how we fit in the band or not. It was the songwriting. They weren't and he went on tour on with record. them for Japan. That was it. They never toured Japan. No, they, no, they, they, and they played the States. But, 
but he wanted they they never went to Japan, so he took them. They went to Japan with him, and Japan, unfortunately, Japan saw him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which they probably didn't that, care. Is that is that true? I can't believe that Van Halen never played Japan. From what I understand, that was the thing. They had never gone to Japan. They'd never, I don't if you buy look that. at all the tour dates, nope. you see Europe and you see nope. all that. No way. I don't believe it. Well, prove me wrong. Bring it up I'll next bet, episode. I'll bet you seven dollars. Yeah, yeah. I'll so bet you then there was actually another lead singer. Cents. Huh? I said, what? I'll bet you fifty-one dollars and fifty cents. Fifty-one fifty, yeah. <laughs> Um, then there was there was actually another lead singer who never really they never did anything with him because he bailed. He's like, ah, no, I'm, I'm not I'm not doing this. Who was that? I forget his name. He, the blonde dude. Yeah, the blonde dude. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he said no. They moved on. He said it was very hard to work with. He he bowed yeah. out. He was he said he it was kind of he bowed out gracefully. Like I don't I don't think he bowed out. I think that they abandoned him. I think they moved back to Roth or they is that to, is that what Eddie said? I, that's who they may have been. <laughs> but by the way, when David Lee Roth was either fired or let go, whichever you believe, one of the people that they actually considered to join the band was Patty Smythe from Scandal. Oh, that would have been Oh, gee, I, I remember that. I well, remember you know that. what? It was Patty Smythe and Valerie Bertinelli were friends. And, yeah. and Patty Smythe in the band Scandal, yeah, shooting at the heart of Heartbreak, Bang Bang. Yeah, I, I am the warrior. warrior. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're the you know, warrior. She, you're she, the could, warrior. She, yeah. she could sing, but, you know, total mismatch. Yeah, a lot of other women could have sang better. Should have brought in Pat Benatar. Yeah, no. <laughs> if you're going to bring in a female singer. Bringing you know, a the, strong the, female singer. The the sad thing about Van Halen is that Eddie is now gone. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and he may have blamed it on putting metal guitar picks in his in his mouth and being surrounded by electronics. But the big smoking, big razor. He was a giant smoker and a big drinker and whatnot, and that stuff takes its toll. And it, unfortunately, it affected him in a bad way and and we lost you know a, a genius and before he passed sammy hagar and him made amends and they would text each other you know because eddie couldn't talk uh they would text each other back and forth and that's a good thing yeah you know yeah michael anthony on the other hand i'm sure was hurt but they did him bad. We we can circle back to that. They did him bad. There was no reason for that. They bring in Wolfie, you know, Wolfgang Van Halen, who his group Mammoth just backed up Guns N' Roses the other night at the at the at Fenway Park, as someone said have earlier. You, have you ever listened to any of his stuff? No, no, not yeah. yet, not yet. He's I'm a, not. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed. He's to it. A talented kid, no question about it. And yeah, you know, he unfortunately is going to be. Um, Saddled with, you know, you're Eddie Van Halen's kid. You're trying to steal your father's son, Thunder Road. You're at least kind of riding on his coattails. But well, he did name the group guy. Mammoth. <laughs> yeah, he 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 did. You know, no no question about it. But he also well, John Bonham's every, son named his group Bonham. Yeah, he you know? um he he also played every instrument on the record. Yeah. So and that and there are some people out there that really you know like some of the stuff that he's done, 
I haven't listened to it that deeply. I, he was on the Howard Stern show and he played a couple of songs and it's impressive. Yeah, yeah. He um, he was 16 when they took him on tour. Sure. He was still in high school. Sure. So he used to, I guess Eddie said, oh, he had it the worst. He would, he was tutored three or four hours a day. Then he had to go practice for the gig and then do the show. Then get up for school the next day. But think about that. You're 16 years old, okay? You're in high school. But you're on tour with Van Halen. Although it's your father and your uncle and, you know, you're on tour with Van Halen. And you're going to be playing in front of sold-out auditoriums and stadiums. Well, I would say auditoriums at that point. And no, uh, arenas. How do you focus? Like <laughs> Arenas. Huh? Arenas. Arenas. Whatever they are. What's the difference between an arena and an auditorium? An auditorium is like the Orpheum Theater or the... No, that's a theater. That's, that's an auditorium. An, it's not called the Orpheum Auditorium. Have you ever heard the Boston Garden regard, referred to as an auditorium? No. You're an idiot. It's called the Boston Garden. That's right. Is <laughs> Madison Square Garden an auditorium? Yeah. I don't know. I've only been there to see Morrissey. <laughs> now, Morrissey. Theater, Mar- the theater an auditorium. It's a theater. No, it is. See, it you is dig close these to- holes, Jack. You dig these holes. No, the Orpheum Theater is closer to an auditorium than the Boston Gardens or Madison Square Garden. But, but close doesn't count. Only in horseshoes and hand grenades, buddy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? We're done. We're done. This show is over. We've, we've, we've hit the punchiness part of it, the, the show. <laughs> Just like this, the silly part. All right, we covered everything. I think I think we we really covered everything. We co- we covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of ground. Aerosmith again. We made a mistake. We were looking at time instead of content. And you know, one of my one of the producers, my brother Colin McLean, laid into me for that. And I caught another. I caught some emails and some text messages. And Scott, the IT guy, even lashed out at us and rebelled oh, screw him yeah well he i he i need him to help me out with this headphone situation scotty hagar oh by the way the headphones sporting some vintage 1977 pioneer monitor tens yeah how, how those working out for you oh i know they're good <laughs> they're good they look it's good. All an, it's all an optical effect. No, they look great. You look you look very sexy with those giant yeah. fucking things. These, on your these things are metal. Like this is metal. You, you look like you're ready to land a plane. <laughs> the metal and leather, like very little plastic, and it's got the quarter inch jack that you jam into your stereo. And these are some serious heavy duty. Uh oh. Uh-uh. Wait a minute. Scott the IT guy. He just he just now we're getting a little off. 1492 headphones don't work. With 2019 technology. You yes, know what, Scott? Do. Scott, don't worry. If they don't work, you, I'm sure you can go down to Radio Shack and try to return them. Scott wasn't even thought of in 1977. So what does he know? Anyways, let's end this show. We did good. We covered everything we needed to cover. So with that, finally, Scott, the IT guy, gets steps up and sends me the outro. Thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. 
We hope to see you next week. And make sure you like and subscribe. Buy some of that hot sauce, too. And have yourselves a great night. Bumba-dee-da, bumba-dee-da, bumba-dee-da. Let's go out with this one, buddy. We're going to go out with this one. <laughs> Just because you don't like it. But it goes Cheech out to my, comes walking in. But it goes out to my ex-wife, who I still love. Uh, All right, guys. Have a great night.